Good morning slash afternoon, Northwest. It's so good to have you with us in the smack dab of the middle of summer. So welcome to all of those of you that are here. We welcome you. And we are in the middle of our Walking with God series, and so we're going to continue with that this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about our spiritual DNA. Um, it, it's become very popular nowadays to check up out your ancestry. There's Ancestry.com and all these different places. And so people are very interested in where they came from and what blood is throwing through their veins and, and connecting with other people, possibly from other countries. And so I was thinking about that and how important it is for us to realize our spiritual DNA, how important to understand the fruit and the labor and the sacrifice of those that have gone before us so that we can sit here and stand here this morning. So we're going to talk about our spiritual DNA. There's a couple of themes I want to come through as I'm talking, and, and the first is that Jesus was not a fragile person. Christianity is not a fragile religion. It has suffered much. It has overcome much. And the people that are part of this movement down throughout the ages and the centuries and history have been some strong and sturdy stock. And that is something important for us to remember today. As we look around and we see the uncertainty in our country, the uncertainty in the world, and the things that are happening Depending on your personality and your frame of reference, there's a tendency to feel fear. And the thought that there's uncertainty in the world can strike fear in people's hearts. But I'm here to encourage you this morning. I'm here to remind you where we came from, where we are going, and who is walking with us. Amen? All right. I'm going to start with a story, a history story. And forgive me just a few moments to relate this story. Jimmy Seller's ears perked up when I said history. <laughs> I like that. Then we're going to get into our passage of scripture that we're going to be studying this morning, which is from the book of Hebrews. But let me begin by saying that once upon a time, long, long, long ago, there was no United States. There was no America. There was no Democrat and Republican. There was no constitution. There were none of the amendment protections that we have come to um, count on and enjoy. In fact, long, long ago, there were no religious freedoms that we enjoy today at all. Nothing that resembled what we know. Long, long time ago, there was only Rome. And Rome was the entire world. Rome began as a republic and grew into an empire. The first leader of that empire had a baby born during his reign. And Caesar Augustus began to hear rumors of fame and renown from this Jewish baby. And the fame and renown of this Jewish child would grow beyond any fame of all of the emperors of Rome. This child grew up, and he stood against the hypocrisy of that culture. 
eventually, he was betrayed by a friend. He was condemned by the temple. He was crucified by that empire. And today he's worshipped throughout the world. That's the seed that's running through our veins this morning, if you're a believer. Not long after that, but long, long, long ago from us, Christians would gather early in the morning on the first day of every week. And they would gather together in yards, backyards, courtyards, inside homes. And in those meetings, there were bosses and employees. There were rich, there were poor. There were soldiers, and there were children. There were Jews, and there were Gentiles. And they all met together. They would sing a song to the resurrected Lord. They would share a story of how they knew someone that was healed by this Jesus. Someone who was set free from demonic oppression by this resurrected Lord. And maybe someone would share a fragment of a letter that they received from one of the disciples. And in those meetings, they vowed their fidelity, their loyalty to one another. They vowed their chastity to one another. They would walk with honor and purity with each other. And they would talk about things that were against the Roman culture. They said that God is a spirit and not made out of stone. They believed that every person they ever met had value that was inherent and not assigned by that culture. And that belief, deeply held, affected everything they touched, everything they said. But perhaps more shocking than that was a belief that rocked the religious organization in that time. These early believers and followers of Christ adamantly believed that the day of animal sacrifice was ended. Their boldness and their resolve came from the belief that Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus died on a cross, and that he was now alive. That he was alive. That was the source of their boldness. And no longer did you have to bring an animal to the temple, shed the animal's blood to have access to God or forgiveness for your sins. They believed that Jesus' death and resurrection was what you needed to have a relationship with God. 
And the followers of Jesus were betrayed by friends, condemned by the temple. You can just, it's hard for us to imagine living in our culture what this did in that time. To say it was radical isn't even the right word. It defies belief with this group of people who clung deeply to the fact that Jesus was alive. How it changed and transformed everything they touched everywhere they went. They were condemned by the system that said, no, it has to be done this way. They were persecuted by the empire. We're going to read about that in a moment. But their influence is why we're sitting here today. And it spread like an airborne virus. This is your DNA, my sons and my daughters. This is the blood that runs through our veins now by faith. I don't know where you came from. I don't know your family history. But I know where you start is not important. Where you go, where you end up, is the paramount thing. And they had this truth sown in their heart and walking every day with them. Somewhere along the way, I know we've passed centuries after century after century, but somewhere along the way, Christians have lost the reputation as fearless ones. If you ask someone today that is not a Christian, what do you think about Christians? When I say the word Christian, what comes to mind? And you don't have to say it out loud because we all know a few of the words that come to mind. We see them all over social media. Fearless is rarely one mentioned. If someone had you as their only specimen of Christianity, just you, think, well, that's ridiculous. There's Christians everywhere. But you'd be surprised how less and less that's becoming. How rare that's becoming to be a Christian like this today. So if you were the only Christian your neighbor knew, what would they say Christianity is? What would they think is important to know about Christianity? What beliefs do they think you hold? Let's find out about what got us to this place. We're going to read from the book of Hebrews. I'm going to skip some of the verses only for time. It's a fascinating chapter of our history of the faith, of the brave men and women that came before us. I encourage you to make that a part of your devotions this week. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. Another version says the ancients were commended. And that just means that they never saw in, re- in flesh what God promised. We think about Abraham. He, he, he got Isaac, but he never saw the multitudes. We think about King David. And generation after generation came. 
died strong in their faith, never having seen what was promised. I'm going to skip down because from 3 to 12, it talks about the heroes of the faith. It talks about Moses and Moses' mama. It talks about Isaac and all the, Noah, all the generals and, and girls of the faith. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, but only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So these people that the author of Hebrews is writing about said they never saw what was promised. God's plan was to send the Messiah. They never saw that happen in their lifetime, but they remained faithful. They remained faithful. They remained faithful. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice. They shut the mouths of lions. And I, some days, it's all I can do to keep my own mouth shut. Seriously. I think I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say I wish I hadn't have said that. I wish I hadn't have said that. But here, they're shutting the mouths of lions. They shut... This isn't a Bible story. This is a historical, these are historical events. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. How I need that for my weaknesses. To be honest with them to God and other people so that God can turn them into a strength. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. I know people that back down if somebody just disagrees with them. Wait, I didn't really... Someone posts something bad about them on social media. That's all it takes to back it on up. I'm not talking about carrying a sign that says God hates... Humanity, whatever, insert. I'm not talking about that. That is not boldness. That is just stupidity. That is just unloving. That's not what I'm talking about here. They refused to turn from what they knew to be true in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. So what does that have to do with us? We live after the cross. The resurrection's happened, but you know what hasn't happened yet? His return. I have the same opportunity to stand in faith if he doesn't return before he calls me home. Am I going to welcome his return at a distance like they welcomed the cross even though they never saw it in their lifetime? Some were jeered at, and I emphasize that because for most of us sitting here, this is the most persecution some of you will face, to be jeered at. And at the time, it seems so hurtful, but let's please keep it in perspective. You have the blood of the Lion of Judah flowing through you now. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. 
Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats. Destitute. Destitute. We have no point of reference for destitute in our country. We have too many programs that help people. But destitute in this day was you had no one. You had nothing. No source. Destitute. Oppressed. Mistreated. It's almost like the author of Hebrews stops and reflects about all the people that have gone before. What they endured, not having ever seen the promise. But God saw their faith and said, they're righteous. Because of their faith, because they believed God's word, he said, you're righteous. And the author here is going, you know what? The world wasn't worthy of these people. Another translation says they were too good for this world. There was once a version of faithfulness to God that elicited heroic, heroic living. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, this is the New Testament person writing, so that together those that are after the cross, that saw the resurrection, would be made perfect. Perfect means complete. God's plan is now completed for redemption. Remember what Jesus said on the cross right before he gave up his spirit. What did he say? It is God's perfect plan came into completion for my sin and for your sin. So when those early Christians said, you know what? Animal sacrifices aren't needed. This is why. It is finished. Everything you will ever need to be right with God was completed. That's good news. The ancients didn't have that, and we do. They were looking forward to something they did not see, and they were faithful. And so many of us are looking back from the cross, and we're afraid. I hear the word uncertainty so many times now. You do not need to be afraid. Whether whatever's coming, whether it's bad or whether it's good, you do not need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Fear not. The Bible says in Romans, if God before us, who can ever be against us? That's in your DNA. It's in there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, now the author that's writing this, he was referring to the Old Testament witnesses, all the ones in Hebrews. We also have the New Testament witnesses. We have the disciples, Paul. We have the Christians coming down through the centuries, the 14th and 15th century, when they, when they die to get this book written into English so that we could read it for ourselves. All the people that have given their lives who died in faith. We have an incredible heritage. Our DNA is amazing. So, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us hide and whine and complain 
and don't offend with the gospel. Let's hoard our resources just in case. Let's not put our beliefs on display. Let's blame the culture. Blame the cops. Blame the leaders. Blame the teachers. Blame our mamas. Demand our rights. Tax the rich. Play it safe. Find somebody to sue and just pray that Jesus returns. Did I miss anybody's toes? I was trying to step equally on everyone's toe. So I was trying to swing from this side to the other, trying to hit somebody's, even if it's just a pinky toe, I wanted to hit it. So since we are surrounded by men and women of faith and grit and honor and courage, what should we do? How should we live? What will be written about us? Let us throw off everything that hinders. That's what we do. We throw off everything that stands in the way of us living that life that God has marked out for us to live. Now, the thing about everything that hinders, everything also includes things that are good. There's a whole lot of things that are good, that aren't wrong, that aren't bad, that aren't sinful, that can hinder my zeal for God, that can hinder my love for God, that can put out the flame that is supposed to burn deeply and brightly for God. So we're not just talking about things that don't do that. We're also talking about things that are good to do, but if it erodes our zeal for God. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. I just want to make a really quick comment about sin, something I've been thinking a lot about this week. One of the problems with sin, besides the fact that it carries death in its DNA, so many times Christians believe that sin is the answer to a problem and not the problem. And by that I mean, there's sometimes we face ourselves in situations and you think, I just need to tell a little lie, just right here, just let me just tell this little lie, because if I do, then I can go on to something. Let me just take this little, do this one little dishonest thing, because if I, and we don't realize that, we realize in our mind, but our actions, we think, well, just one more, is it going to really matter if I do this? Who's going to know? And we forget. Sin is the problem. The answer is never going to be found in disobeying God. Let's run with perseverance. I think another version says endurance. And for me, that means I'm, I'm not tapping out. I'm not. I'm not tapping out. You might knock me out. I'm not tapping out. I'm not. It's in my DNA to persevere, to endure. And it's almost embarrassing to say that standing in America, to say we have to endure, we have to persevere. When I think about our brothers and sisters around the world, North Korea is the number one country for Christian martyrs. There's an organization called Open Doors, and they keep, there's, there's many, but this one keeps track of the martyrs around the world. 2015 was the bloodiest, most death-filled year for Christians being murdered 
around the world. Last year, not, not back in the old ages, last year, 2015, all those things we read about, stoning, beheading, being sawed in half, that's happening today in Syria, in North Korea, in Saudi Arabia, countries where it is illegal to pray. And if your prayers are getting thin, if you've not prayed outside the realm of your family or your job or your comfort in a while, pray for the Christians that are suffering around the world. The story of us is going to be written. Our century is going to be written about. What are they going to say? The race that's marked out for us, for your family, for this church, for our generation, for this century, for this country, God has a course marked out for us. And if we're fearful, if we're afraid of man, if we're afraid of reputation, or if we get apathetic, apathy is a whole nother thing. There's not a word I can say if apathy has sown seeds in your heart to where it says, eh, I don't really care. That's between you and God, and only he is going to be able to revive that heart. But there is a course that is marked out for us. Mm. Let's finish up. Fixing your eyes on, do you know what the next word is there? Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. I, this is how the ancients did it. New Testament Christians did it. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. They deeply believed everything he said. They deeply lived it. and They kept their eyes fixed on Jesus. They didn't fix their eyes on the economy because they didn't have an economy to fix their eyes on. They didn't fix their eyes on abundance. They didn't fix their eyes on popularity. They fixed their eyes on Jesus. The founder, the perfecter of our faith. I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you thankful that he is the perfecter of your faith? Because otherwise it would just be me striving. I could trust him to perfect the thing that he started in my heart. I can trust him to finish what he started in your heart. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself. This is our leader. This is our leader. He got on a donkey and rode down the main street of Jerusalem. The Bible said his face was set like a stone, like flint, knowing what was waiting for him. This is not a fragile part movement that we're part of. But where are you in this? Where am I in this? Consider him. You can just take that phrase, spend the rest of your life mining it. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He did that, not just to purchase my salvation, thank you, but when I'm discouraged, 
I can think about what he did, what he sacrificed, and all the people after him. There once was a version, would you stand with me, a faithfulness to God that caused people to devote their lives even unto death. The verse said, let us throw off anything that's hindering us, that's entangling us, that's tripping us up. So my question is, what's holding you back? Think, well, I'm doing pretty darn good. Well, really? What's holding you back? I know there's some things that are holding me back. And I'm going to ask God to help me weed those things out of my life. Are you afraid? Are you fearful? Think of the early Christians who faced Nero. Man, we have such an example. But our century is going to be written about one day. And I want there to be someone to say, you know, there was a group of people Everybody else was looking to the government, and the government had failed, and everybody else was. But there was a group of people. And man, it's, it's not that they didn't know what was going on. They, they, they were involved, but they weren't afraid. They weren't afraid of what was coming. There was a group of people that were responsible. They took care of their families. They met the needs of the people around them, but they were compassionate for people that didn't believe what they believe. I remember there was a group of people like that. 100, 200 years ago, I remember. I think they were called Christians. I don't. What's your story going to be? It's going to be written. The 21st century will be written about. The race is marked out for us. Are you willing to accept that challenge, knowing that God has gone before us? He's with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the Lion of Judah. You are mighty and you are strong. Forgive us for not appropriating that strength. Forgive us for not allowing your Holy Spirit to be mighty in us. God, forgive us for fear of man, fear of social media. Fear of looking weird. Father, we as Christians affirm with our brothers and sisters who are that cloud of witnesses that have gone before, I want to be found faithful like them. I want to pass the baton to my grandchildren, something of faith and honor and fortitude and grit and dignity, and love. I want to be one of those that are spoke about as Christian. 
I thank you, Father, that this is not a religion of frailty. Because your word says you've not given us any spirit of fear, but you have given us the spirit of power. You have given us the spirit of love, and you have given us a sound mind. We appropriate that this morning. We want better for our generation, God, for our children. Help us equip our children and our grandchildren. Help us equip them, Father, for what's coming, for what's good that's coming, and what's for evil that's coming. We trust you, Father, and we are looking forward to the day that you return, but we will be found faithful and honorable. We love you, Father. Father, I'm asking for a blessing on every family here, every person here. Blessing so that we can be a blessing, not so that we're just blessed. We want to be a blessing. We want to walk out of these doors and we want to be fierce for you, God. Not in hatred, not in judgment, but showing the world who you are through our life, through our words, through our actions. Thank you, Father. We ask for a blessing on this church, on our nation. We pray for the Christians that are suffering and dying. Lord, I pray for the 70,000 Christian refugees stuffed in a camp in North Korea right now, today. Wondering where their daughter is. Wondering where their son is. Where their wife is. I pray for them, Father. I pray for the Christians, Father, in Saudi Arabia and Iraq. In Syria. Father, be to them what you were to Paul in prison and Silas. Rescue them, Father. And Father, forgive us for forgetting about our brothers and sisters in chains. Help America reach out to our brothers and sisters, God. Don't let our time Pass us by. Wake us up, God. Stir our heart with fire from the coals at your altar, Father, so that we'll intercede. Make our prayers full again. Make our prayers hungry and deep again, God. Have mercy on us, I pray. And Lord, I give you the glory. I thank you. I thank you that we are written into your story. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. I ask that you speak to every family. The path, the course that's marked out for them so they'll be able to run with endurance, patience, 
encourage what you called them to do. I don't know why you have allowed us to be born in a country that has such freedom. Father, forgive me for taking advantage of that. And to that great cloud of witnesses, we say, we join you, we join you in that belief that Jesus is alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's working in us. Lord, we believe that the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous person makes a difference. So we pray this week like we have not prayed in years, God, in ourselves, in our homes, with our spouse, with our sisters and brothers, like the first church. We will stand in witness to who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We love you. We love you. Be fearless this week. Amen.